1: Welcome to the World War II Radio Podcast. We've got a bonus second episode this week, the November 20th, 1941 episode of The March of Time. This was a production of Time Magazine and CBS Radio that provided reenactments of the headline events of the day. The World War II Radio Podcast is a brick pickle media production. If you like the show, please leave feedback on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. You can also support the show by clicking on the link in the show notes and offering your financial support. Your donations help us to continue to produce the podcast, and thanks to those of you who have already donated. Thanks for listening, and enjoy today's episode of the World War II Radio Podcast. of Time, the weekly news magazine,
0: raise the curtain again on their reenactment of memorable scenes from the news of the week. The March of Time. On the Russian front, some of the red replacement troops have never been seasoned in battle, are nervous, unsure of themselves. On this point, the Russian War Ministry this week furnishes this story. After dark in a windswept trench before Mojaisk, 60 miles west of Moscow, a group of unseasoned young soldiers is coached by a veteran.
1: Look at that star shell shine. Man, that's a beautiful sight. Yes, Comrade Kudrow. Beautiful for the Germans to see us. How can we fight such an enemy? We haven't the experience. Listen, boys. You're a lot braver than the Germans. You only knew it. That isn't the point, comrade. Just a short time ago, we were in factories. This is a new game for us. They have been at it over two years. Right. I I don't care for it, Kudrow. Oh, I see your trouble. Now, look here, boys. The German trenches are just 75 yards away from us. There. You can see them in the light of that rocket. Now, just keep your eyes open while I climb up here.
0: Hey, where are you going?
1: Over to the German, Francis. Fair Was that someone moving out there? For the Russian line? Nein, Herr Feldwebel. All quiet? Good. Maybe tonight the Russians have a sleeper. Look out! A grenade! Lieber Gott, that was
0: close! Stand still! you German! You
1: don't want another of my good Russian Rush, grenades. Run, run, keep them alive. I want you, little man. Don't move or I'll bring you to the wall. Nein,
0: nein, Kamerad.
1: Did you hear that explosion over in the German lines? Yeah. It's all up with Kudrov, I guess. was oh, suicide walking into the German trenches. I don't like any of this. morning, young yeah. fellow. Come on. That's right. You're headed the right way. That's it. Down in the trench you go. Jump in, Bernard. I believe your sergeant called you. Jump! <laughs> it's Kudrow with a prisoner. It's a German. Come Come Kamerad. I want you to meet some of our boys, kamerad. How did you do this, Kudrow? I gave some of them a hand grenade to squabble over. Chased three with my bayonet. I caught this one here to show you fellows. Bitte. <laughs> Bitte. We won't hit <laughs> you, Bernard. Straighten up. Yeah, yeah. Why, this prisoner is nothing but a half pint. Say, Comrade Kudrov, what are we afraid
0: of, anyhow? In Russia this week, the Axis still faced a stubborn defense inspired by acts of individual heroism. At Russia's side door, the British from Egypt suddenly struck the Axis in Africa. At Russia's back door in the Far East, the Axis faced an equally stubborn fact. The Advanced Guard of the American Navy, the U.S. Asiatic Fleet. Reporting the important news of the world from every front, Time this week tells the story of this tough, crack striking force, which would be the first American arm to face action in a Far East conflict. Time reports on the ships of the U.S. Asiatic fleet. Three months ago, the fleet consisted of two cruisers, 13 destroyers, 17 submarines, three gunboats, miscellaneous small craft. Since then, it has been reinforced. The fleet's Philippine base is no longer indefensible. It bristles with formidable armament. Time reports on the men of the U.S. Asiatic fleet. Tension in the Far East has acted like a tonic upon the U.S. Navy, says Time. Its officers are confident... None more so than the wiry little man whose hard work has built one of the most efficient of America's fighting forces. His name, Admiral Thomas Charles Hart, Commander-in-Chief. Time reports on the strategy of the U.S. Asiatic fleet. No commander reveals his intentions in advance, but this much can be told of Admiral Hart's strategy. He would wage a war far from defensive. Acting as a marauder in the foe's backyard, he would attack on, under, and over the seas. Thus, with these and many other facts, with a wealth of carefully authenticated material, Time gives its readers a comprehensive picture of the U.S. front lines of defense in the Far East, a picture that is definitely reassuring. With this report and with many others, the current issue of Time tells the dramatic story of all the news from the defense front, from every front, from the march of time. This was America This Week. San Francisco. This Japan-conscious western city briefly entertains a visitor from Japan. Special Envoy Saburo Kurusu bound for Washington and a final showdown on Pacific policy between his country and the USA. Ambassador Kurusu makes a statement.
1: I came here to offer all our assistance to my colleague, Ambassador Nomura, in Washington. I fully realize the difficulty of the task, but I hope to break through the lines for a down:
0: Ambassador Kurusu's approach to the desk of Franklin Roosevelt leads three thousand miles across the great industrial continent, wrestling with preparations for war. Ambassador Kurusu sees it from the sky.
1: Mare Island Navy Yard is over there through the fog, Mr. Kurusu. So you are the hostess. Yes, sir. Thank you. Moffett Airfield is below us, and the defenses for the Golden Gate area. <laughs> Big, aren't they? <laughs> Down that way is Camp Roberts. It stretches almost all the way across San Luis Obispo County. Oh, so most interesting.
0: At Burbank, Mr. Kurusu boards a stratoliner plane for the east. Before nightfall, he sees some more instructive sights.
1: You might be interested, sir, in taking a look at the oil fields below Thank you. Yeah, we get half a million barrels a day just out of California wells alone. Oh, so? Most interesting.
0: Sorry to wake you, Mr. Curazu, huh? but you really uh, must see the view here at Albuquerque. Uh, Notice the big new Army airfield. Oh,
1: uh, so? Most interesting. Cleveland, Mr. Curazu, the big lake port. So? Most interesting view over Youngstown is extraordinary, Mr. Curosu. You can see the blast furnaces for miles. Yes, very big. The port of New York below is Mr. Curosu. Do you see the Navy Yard? Yes.
0: At LaGuardia Airport in New York City, Ambassador Curosu makes his last change of planes before Washington. Mindful of his long, instructive journey across the working American continent... News hawks are ready to show Mr. Kurosu the U.S. press at work. Can you say something for the newsreel, Mr. Kurosu? Uh, yes. Gentlemen, you
1: all know how difficult my mission is. But I'll do all I can to make it a successful one for two countries, Japan and United States. Say, uh, Mr. Kurosu, yes. about that football you were talking about in San Francisco, will it be straight or deception football? Uh, straight. Any power plays? Oh, yes. Power plays. Okay. Now, say, Mr. Kurosu, could you give us a general short outline of Japan's plans? Please, plan? please.
0: Oh.
1: This is a country of liberty. Is it not? Then please give me the liberty of silence. I am very tired. Between here and Washington, I must try to rest. That's Newark, Mr. Kurosu. New Brunswick. Trenton. Camden. Philadelphia. Chester. Wilmington. Baltimore.
0: Washington, Mr. Kurosu. After an even more illuminating view of the vast, almost continuous industrial plant which lies between New York and Washington, Seboro Kurosu arrives in Washington. Two days later, his fatiguing but impressive 3,000-mile trip across the United States ends at the desk of Franklin Roosevelt. day later, he spends two hours and three quarters with Secretary of State Cordell Hull. Up for discussion are Japan's demands for the U.S. to end its embargo, cease helping China, tell its Dutch and British friends to ease up in the Orient. On none of these points is the U.S. Secretary of State prepared to compromise while Japan continues its aggressions in Asia. Faced with almost certain stalemate, weary envoy Kurusu again faces the ever present press.
1: Thank you. Don't go the sidewalk. Let Mr.
0: Kurusu get up the steps here.
1: Now, Mr. Coruso, one minute. What are you going to talk about in there with the secretary? We have had naval holidays. Why don't we have a
0: press holiday? This was America this week.